0: Welcome back to the Semester at Sea Wavelengths podcast. Every episode of the podcast, we hear interviews, stories, and other audio from students, alumni, and or staff. This week features an interview from former home office staff, Annie Rappaport, as she interviews former executive dean, Beth Helwig, Dr. Helwig's son, Ryan Ubuntu Olson, and Dr. Helwig's daughter, Sarah. Not only have Dr. Helwig and her two children sailed, but her mother also sailed, making them a three-generation Semester at Sea alumni family. But first, Semester at Sea is a biannual study abroad program taking place during the fall and spring semesters, where students get the opportunity to study abroad on a ship and where the world becomes their classroom. Semester at Sea is hosted by ISE, the Institute for Shipboard Education, a nonprofit based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Semester at C is made possible with support of listeners like you. Whether student, alumni, or neither, visit semesteratsea.org to get involved and find out more. You can also find out about Semester at C on any of your favorite social media platforms. Applications are currently open and accepted on a rolling basis. Donations are welcome and serve students the opportunity at experiences like you hear on this show today. Now, take it away, Annie.
1: Well, hello and welcome. We are so very delighted today to have Beth Helwig, Ryan Olson, and Sarah Olson with us. They are a Semester at Sea family, and we cannot wait to hear how their family became introduced to Semester at Sea and then about all of their transformational voyage experiences that have influenced their lives after semester at sea. And in many cases, they've sailed more than once. So we will go ahead and get started with the initial Voyager, which is the mom. Beth, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to learn of semester at sea?
2: Yes. Well, good morning, Annie. It's so great to see you again after so many years. I had the great opportunity to have a mother and a father who were world travelers, who loved international experiences, hosting international students. And so my mom actually was the first to sail with semester at sea. And she went on a voyage that was like maybe a three week voyage and it was a great experience and she came back so full of wonder of her experiences and she had a video that they put together of everything that happened and she really encouraged me to consider going and so i felt like i needed to wait a little while because i didn't i had my young kids and i thought maybe i needed to wait till they got a little bit older but it was always my dream to be able to go i worked at Colorado State University and many of my colleagues actually went on semester at sea and they would come back just full of excitement and wonder at what they had experienced. And so that really got my excitement up. And I'm so glad that I was able to at a later date, when I was at Gonzaga University, I was the Dean of Students there. And my vice president, when I interviewed for the job, I said, do you think I might be able to go on semester at sea? It's been my dream. And she said, Well, you have to work at Gonzaga at least four years, and you have to let me go first. (laughs) This is Dr. Sue White. She's traveled many times as executive dean, and so she encouraged me and and supported me in going in the spring of 2007. And that's when Ryan got to experience it with me. Uh, That was the voyage with Desmond Tutu and his wife. And talk about life transforming! I'm sure we might get into that later. Most recently, I've had the chance. to go in this in the summer of 2011 and then with Sarah I got to go for a couple weeks in the fall of 2013 because I was shadowing the executive dean at the time and then I was the executive dean in the fall of 2015 and on the new world odyssey first voyage that it ever experienced So I was very excited that my kids were also very much globally minded. You know, Sarah is the kind of youngster who, when she had classmates that were international, just even in elementary school, would want to gravitate towards them and help them and, you know, welcome them. And Ryan, just so excited about traveling and adventure. So there's my little bit of a story.
1: I love it. And I did not know your mom had sailed. So that is, oh my goodness. we got three generations going on here.
2: Oh, and my <laughs> sister, I forgot to mention my sister, Karen, oh. was a, she uh, was a partial voyager in 2015. So she wanted me to make sure to let you know that she was with the Lifelong Learner Program, Karen Hankinson.
1: <laughs> that is fantastic. And then yeah. for listeners, I had the pleasure of working with Beth ever since 2011 through 2016. So all those voyages in there and then I sailed with you in in fall 2013 for for a bit. So that was yeah. a fantastic a fantastic. We're very
2: lucky fall. to get to have met you Annie. And I remember yeah, you you wrote the most beautiful poem and story that you shared with the voyage. Do you remember that? Yes. And
1: it's I history. I still yeah. have it. I still have it. So. Uh, oh, you got it. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and well, we have with us both, both you and Ryan, and I'm thinking maybe you two could share that voyage with, uh, let's spend some time celebrating a life that means so much to all of us, which was Desmond Tutu and, and his, and his wife, what was it like to sail with them?
2: Ryan, why don't you start with that? And then I'll add a couple of comments to you.
3: So, for me, uh, semester C was a life changing experience in a multitude of ways. I was a token gay at a private Catholic school, and my mom had this amazing opportunity before her. And I was like, Oh, I can't go, mom. I have more gay rights to do. And she was like, Are you sure? This is a once in life opportunity. So, I I don't want to say I reluctantly accepted, but I was, I just, it was not in my cards. And so being able to go on the ship alone was an incredible experience. I often say, you know, going to 12 different countries, visiting the Taj Mahal in India to doing carnival in Brazil or going on safari in South Africa or climbing the great wall of China or seeing Hiroshima in Japan, you know, like all of that already was an amazing experience. But then in addition to the profound experience that is Semester at Sea, having Archbishop Desmond Tutu and his wife Leia join us for the full 100-day duration of our voyage around the world was profoundly moving. If you can imagine, we gotten to get know the Archbishop a little bit more closely because of my mom's role as a dean of students on the ship, and so every time... We'd run into him, and he'd be like boop boop boop. Hello, Ryan. How are you? <laughs> you know, and um, he was always so friendly with the with the children on the ship, and lived by example in terms of how he treated people, particularly our amazing crew. You would know their names know their backstories and their children and children's names and all those types of things um but i tell you what uh, hearing from the archbishop as we were learning about south africa and it's uh mm-hmm. it's it's history and if you can imagine him coming to uh, our classes and talking about apartheid and truth and reconciliation and our community-wide lectures that he would lead And most profoundly for me, at least, expressing and exploring the concept or African philosophy of Ubuntu, which got both guided him, but also the nation in its uh, reformation in 1994. Um, So it was profound, seven days at sea with the archbishop just talking about his life to then the morning that we arrived in Cape Town. The sun is rising above Table Mountain, and I'm just seeing this profound landscape before me and there comes a moment where Archbishop is really right to my right and I'm like tears in my eyes and then I'll the, the last thing I'll say about the Archbishop was that uh, getting to not only hear from him about the history of South Africa to visit the country with him but then to see how his lived example uh, played itself out not only in that context but then everywhere else we went around the world uh, from playing with children to meeting with luminaries in other countries or having our consciousnesses made more aware of people with disabilities or those sort of difference, um, things that the Archbishop also championed was just, can you imagine how profound of a life experience? is so hard to even articulate. <laughs> you know? so, so true. still impacts me to this day. So it's really powerful. Yes. In fact, he's the, his Ubuntu is, uh, he, uh, he compelled me to change my middle name. So I'm Ryan Ubuntu uh, right now. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So for me, I'll tell you just a couple of quick stories about uh, Desmond Tutu. Uh, We had, we had Valentine's Day on the ship and there was a place for everybody to leave little Valentines for each other. And I thought, I bet no one's going to think to leave the Archbishop of Valentine's. So um, I decided to leave one on his door. And later that day, he came and put one on my door and said, he signed it, love Arch. My friends call me Arch, you know, and wish me a very happy Valentine's Day. And I thought that was so sweet. So I I was empathizing with him because his wife hadn't joined him at, at the beginning. And so, you know, he didn't know anybody on the ship. And so we wanted to reach out and he would say, can we, can I eat dinner with you? Yes, you can. (laughs) But uh, we had the horrible issue of Virginia Tech Mm. uh, that happened while we were on the ship and we had a number of faculty and students and staff from Virginia Tech. And so he led us in reflection about that. Uh, Easter Sunday, he had the sermon and we had beautiful white flowers that we put on the back of, of the ship as he spoke. He was the commencement speaker and he brought such joy. When we were in South Africa, um, instead of inviting all the rich people on the ship to his home, he invited the crew. He invited people that were the cooks and people that were the cabin stewards, and and then the other thing is Annie Leibovitz, who's a famous photographer, mm-hmm. came on the ship because Brad Pitt and he were getting their picture taken to, to be in this magazine with Bono and Uh, all these people who were working on AIDS. And so he was recognized for his efforts with AIDS as well. So it was just so enchanting, inspirational, amazing. One of the highlights of our experiences, I would say.
1: Definitely makes sense. And in the home office, Ubuntu was our, that's what we had on every wall and what we viewed as our philosophy. For those who do not know what Ubuntu is, it is I am because you are, and it's an interconnected world and treating our relationships with such great care and love like he does like you say leading by example Ryan and in everything he did and I love the stories you share best so and I will always remember his laugh I oh, love yeah, his laugh
2: Gindal. he I was a his
1: laugh and I love I loved walking on the ship and seeing him run. Oh I know <laughs> stayed physically fit. And this is, I mean, by the time I was sailing with him, he was 80, I believe, or or close to there. So I just thought that too was an inspiration showing us a care for one's ones staying healthy. Uh, so we
2: had a little six month year old, six month old by the name of Ryder. And he fell in love with Ryder and he would hold Ryder and carry Ryder and tease <laughs> Ryder. And so you'd see him around the ship, you know, with, with this little baby. And it was really delightful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is. That is amazing. I love it. Yes, 100%. And this might be a good, a good opportunity for us just to also pause. And would one of you like to share a bit more about the Desmond Tutu Scholarship, if you know about it?
4: Sure. So um, the Desmond Tutu, I think it's the Tutu Ubuntu Scholarship that was created by a wonderful semester at sea alumna who really wanted to prioritize a scholarship that focused on bringing an African uh, scholar onto the ship. And so she, uh, Nancy, uh, really wanted to encourage more engagement on the continent. And so she had a vision and really through her own experiences, I think with with Arch and, and semester at sea felt like this was a way to give back in a way that would bring students from Africa onto the ship to give that experience to them. It's an amazing scholarship. And the I think the students who have gone have just been incredible community members. So for those of you looking for uh, a place to maybe use your your resources, I would strongly recommend donating to the Tutu Buntu scholarship.
1: That is phenomenal to learn about. So thank you so much, Sarah. And Sarah, we haven't touched upon your voyage yet, because I know in the chronology, you sailed the last of, of the of the family. So tell us, when did you first sail and what was that like for you? I knew
4: that my, my mom and brother were going to be sailing in the spring of 2007, and I had actually already committed to a year-long study abroad experience in Florence, Italy through my undergraduate institution through Gonzaga University, and so... I remember at the time thinking, I don't, I, you know, my mom was the Dean of Students at Gonzaga. My brother was a very active student leader on campus and I was there too. And I thought I, I maybe could use my own experience and living on a ship with that. I was like, I need my own space. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I now, I'm like, why didn't I go on the ship with them? You know, it's such an incredible experience to sail. And I, I just always said I was going to do that in my own time. So I, I first was able to get an experience with the ship when my mom and Ryan were sailing on the summer 2011 voyage. So I met the ship and was able to sail with them to from Greece to Bulgaria and, and then to Turkey, which was a really amazing experience. And then I knew that I wanted to sail as a staff member. So the early part of my career was in in student affairs and I actually worked in housing and residence life at the University of Virginia. And was able to kind of meet a lot of the home office staff and many of the faculty and staff from UVA who'd sailed and was was strongly encouraged to apply and was able to go as a resident director in the fall of 2013. Had an amazing transformational experience. I'm still very connected with with many people from from that voyage almost 10 years ago now.
1: It um, is. It's a reunion, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, no,
4: it's so wonderful. And um, I was able to even connect with some of the, my fellow staff members and students who now are in international education just uh, this past week at the NAFSA conference in Washington, DC. So it's really wonderful to continue connections that way. And then I had an amazing opportunity to sail again in the fall of 2015 my mom was the executive dean. So I hadn't anticipated sailing again so quickly, but couldn't pass up on the opportunity to have that unique experience to see my mom and at the height of her leadership and an amazing experience as the executive dean on fall 2015.
1: That is awesome. That is so awesome. Well, with that, why don't we spend a little bit of time? It'd be great if each of you could share a memory. And its I know it's really hard to pick just one memory. If we could start with memories of the shipboard community and what you love about the semester at sea ship family and so forth. And any, any of you can start and then each of you could just share a bit.
2: Well, in the uh, spring of 2007, Our first experience, I can remember, uh, Ryan, maybe you remember this, we met the ship in Fort Lauderdale uh, and we came to the parking lot and saw the explorer and it just immediately had this impact like oh my gosh this is going to be our home for the next however long you know three months and so um, we had the most incredible executive dean Larry Singel from the University of Colorado Boulder who just passed away about a month ago but he created this shipboard community that was so beautiful uh and he it was so neat like he wrote sonnets at different ports, and uh, we had song at night, and people had written poetry. And uh, we're, we were out on the back of the ship, and it was beautiful. And there was music to get us started. And um, to see the children on the ship was just so amazing to think about these young kids and how uh, incredible they got to experience the world from such a young age. Uh, and then, of course, the students absolutely loved the students. and. I can remember when parents were dropping their uh, sons and daughters off and everybody was crying and I was crying and I didn't even know these people, (laughs) but, you know, knowing what an incredible experience. And of course I got to have Ryan with me. So I was so lucky that I didn't have to say goodbye to him on that voyage. The shipboard crew was made it the most amazing experience. I can remember thinking, I don't believe I've ever been treated so kindly, so with so much love by people um, that I didn't know initially. And by the end of the voyage, I felt like we really all were such a family. And I remember when we were all leaving, we had like Neil Diamond's music on. And we had Neil Diamond's son was actually our photographer on the ship. And so Neil Diamond's song about coming to America was playing and parents were on the um, you know, waiting for us. And it was so hard to think that our time was coming to an end. Uh, But what's so wonderful is many people have kept in touch. As Sarah was saying, we have really made such beautiful, amazing friends that were part of that community. The faculty were inspirational. So the staff, the crew, everybody made it uh, just very memorable for me.
3: For me, building on that, yeah, I want to emphasize how important and powerful the relationships with the crew were. And I, it was probably one of the most impactful part of the trips for me is just really getting to uh, meet and interact with people from all over the world who represented, were represented on our crew. And I remember being so moved by it, like, I would try to find ways to, like, connect. So I'd leave, like, uh, we had Archbishop Desmond Tutu on the ship, so of course, you know, it was extra special, but I'd write these beautiful letters saying how much I appreciated them, but try and leave hide them around the ship so they wouldn't know it was me, but like, you know, I put them in the plates or in under a seat, <laughs> so hopefully they could know like how much they were valued and uh, loved. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that I, I love so much about the experience was as much as there are uh, 10 or so countries that we visited on our ship, there was the 11th port. And that was the ship itself. And, um, you know, we all started off from uh, as complete strangers at the beginning of the voyage, um, coming with our own unique biases and perceptions of the world and ways we existed but to literally sail around the world and um, but have such profound life-changing experiences all together by the end of the ship, uh, the experience we were all so bonded. And it's funny because even people after the voyage, just because we shared that voyage, I didn't know them as well on the ship, but we're we're connected for life, right? <laughs> I think one example of um, that really touched me, especially as an LGBT activist at the time, was. Um, the social clubs that are possible on the voyage as well. There's all sorts of different um, community groups that you can join. And I and another colleague, Aya, or colleague, (laughs) friend and student, uh, Aya Tasaki, she's amazing. And we helped uh, to lead, co-lead the LGBT group on the ship, uh, which we lovingly called Sea Queers and Friends. And so um, coming from a environment where I was one of the few, it was so nice to actually find a fellow LGBT travelers on the ship and to bond in that unique way, especially as we would kind of go into countries and uh, together and get to experience the local LGBT experience in a different way um, that others couldn't understand. But I would say that the most powerful aspect of that was how much we, we felt embraced and loved by our entire shipboard community um, on our voy on our, on, as we were sailing home um, from Japan back to the United States on our last final days that we were approaching Pride Month, as we currently are in this podcast. <laughs> and uh, one of the things we decided to do, uh, two things was one, at lunchtime, we asked everyone to give us. Uh, their definitions of love and ironically enough everyone on the ship had different definitions and we wrote wrote them on different pieces of paper and hung them in a rainbow in the main atrium and so everyone had to go read them it was so beautiful even the kids uh teacher had everyone sit down and look and be like hey love is different And then, but then the coolest part was that we then later had a drag show probably one of the only few on the ship um, but it was so cool as an LGBT student, because I thought maybe one or two people would show up. No, the whole shipboard community showed up. Yeah. And not only that, but we had all the bros borrowing their girlfriends makeup and dresses and they okay. performed. And then one of my favorite professors in the world and we had Dr. Zimmerman, her and her two daughters dressed as drag kings and did a performance. <laughs> and the winner of it all was this beautiful, amazing, young straight dude uh, from Puerto Rico, who who loved Shakira and did the most incredible dancing and uh it was just so uh, such an embracing and wonderful community but as someone who feels often marginalized in society to be a part of a community that uh, loved and embraced and even uh, ac- accepted me for all of and and my fellow LGBT students in all of our glory it was just such a that made the experience even that much more profoundly moving for me so yeah.
4: I think for me, something that I found to be particularly unique and special outside of just the broad shipboard community was really the connections that come together between faculty and staff mm-hmm. on, on the voyages. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's um, such a, an amazing group of professionals to, to get to work with and to get to know the kind of, you know, adult uh, professional and their their families, lifelong learners who want to come on to uh, a voyage with the college students to, you know, to live with them and to be a part of that community to me is incredible. It's such a, a curious, engaged, you know, adventurous, warm group. And I I really deeply value the friendships and the relationships that I've been able to make with the people who come on the ship, not as student participants, but as other voyagers. And so that's a group that I find um, that you know, we become so close just because of the work that we do, the number of hours we have together managing uh, the the shipboard community from a, like a student life perspective or a faculty perspective with such limited numbers. Everyone kind of has to pitch in to make things work and everyone does. So that's something that I really mm-hmm. valued about the shipboard community, at least amongst the faculty staff mm-hmm. and other non-student participants is there's such a willingness to engage, to volunteer time and energy, to, to become, you know, a part of the, the families on board, you know, and, and to create that, that space and that um, support network for students and for each other as we're navigating through sometimes difficult experiences to address behavioral concerns or student experiences Mm support that can be really challenging and to, to help guide the experience those professionals and and um, the other participants are really, I think, create a very unique experience on board that you have this multi-generational community that comes together to support each other in very specific ways. So I've, I've always really appreciated that. And that's when when I think about wanting to, to communicate about the value of the shipboard community and even think about my own experience. It was enriched incredibly by the other participants that um, I got to know really closely in a professional context.
2: And I think we all were part of extended families. So like I had students from Egypt and Kathmandu and from South America that were part of our extended family. And it made the experience so much uh, more rich by having that opportunity.
1: Agreed. All of your examples are so beautiful. And all three of you just you just exude love like for each other, for the voyage, for the people that you have every single constituency on the ship. Uh, so I just really appreciate that. And I think it's awesome. <laughs> uh, and actually my next question, Ryan, you already answered. And so I don't know if we have anything more to build off of it, but I, I was, I think it's awesome what you were doing on the ship. And I was I think it's great for people who are interested on coming on a voyage to know how they can continue being activists or continue supporting causes they care so much about. And especially if any of those may have to do with going into port. And I was just wondering, do you, it's okay if you all don't, because you gave already a beautiful answer, Ryan, but if you had anything else to build off of that, to talk about how people can be engaged um not just passively going on it, you know, I think, you know what I'm trying to say, not passively enjoying this experience, but really engaging in ways to make positive change.
3: Well, I'll say, yeah, I think uh, the shipboard community offers a wide variety of social clubs uh, that are everything from yoga classes and workout buddies to actually social justice causes. Uh, And on our ship with the Archbishop, it was amazing because we even, uh, recognized and then valued uh, the notions we were learning about apartheid, but really how do we actually talk about it in our day-to-day work? So had these robust engaged conversations with each other, um, I started a secret club <laughs> where, um, we, uh, I would meet, we'd meet secretly after each port to really have deep spiritual conversations about what we were learning and the experiences we had. I created a special alphabet. <laughs> so <laughs> Sarah, I didn't know that you started. A secret you club that's too? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's
1: awesome. Oh, oh,
3: that's so cool. I'll tell you. Then so, so, um, so I think, though, that there were many social clubs that really was able to, um, you know, examine social justice causes from a layered and intersectional lens that added even further weight to the voyage itself. Um, just even in my own example, um, our club decided not just to be a club members and hang out with each other for fun on the ship, but really we wanted to examine on our own the lived realities of LGBT people in different contexts around the world, specifically in contexts where they are criminalized or, um, you know, stigmatized in various ways. And so we actually met with activists in different contexts and were able to Uh, Align our comparative analysis of our experience with those around the world. Something actually that uh, has both awakened things within me, but it's really hard to then come back to the world where they don't have that same analysis, right? So it's so powerful. And I know on mom's ship uh, on the 2015 voyage, and I don't want to speak for you if you want to speak more to this though, but I know that they even had a Black Lives Matter group and did a lot of education on the shipboard community, but then examined the experience of uh, marginalized racial or uh, ethnic minorities around the world and what that looked like um, as it intersected with things that were happening back in the United States. So very powerful opportunities. Yeah.
2: We did some programming like uh, Dia de los Muertes to really recognize people's loss, uh, death, and to celebrate people. And so we were in the world odyssey and the beautiful Uh, Student Union and people brought pictures of their loved one and they shared stories and one of the RDs uh, helped to Organize the program, but it was very profound and it was a way to recognize the Latinx uh, community and some of the things that they did and uh, Ryan was right with the Black Lives Matter uh, Movement, there were so many issues and I think we wanted to make sure that every single person feels included and welcome on the ship and so that was, that was really important. Uh, also, we had Syria uh, and the horrible refugee uh, pro- problem that was mm-hmm. happening in 2015 when Sarah and I were uh, sailing. Well, Ryan joined us as well for three weeks on that voyage. But so as we were going through different countries, it was just profound to see all these people that were leaving Syria and trying to find hope in other parts of the world. And sometimes countries would block their their path and not allow them in and then you had countries like Germany that were very welcome Uh, and that was when we were in um, where were we we were in Morocco where we I think uh, we were seeing people that were refugees trying to just find a way to have food for their families so it was very profound in a way a way for us to experience what that was like
3: well, and then one, I, you just sparked in me, Mom, another thing that happened on the 2015 voyage was there was a, uh, a number of terrorist attacks, specifically the one in France, uh, and it was a real, and unfortunately, my colleague, uh, Anita Datar, was actually killed in a terrorist attack in Mali while we were on the ship. Uh, and so it was really powerful as the shipboard community came together to uh, acknowledge together in a vigil sense, uh, all of the different atrocities and uh, terrorist attacks that were taking place, not only in France, but in Mali and elsewhere in the world. Um, And that was another way in which we brought to the forefront some social justice issues and came together as a shipboard community.
2: And we had people, uh, Sarah will remember this too, but that uh, we had a session that was on terrorism, but from an international point of view. So we had students from Kenya, that we're talking about some of the atrocities that were happening in that part of the world. And because from an American perspective, we may understand what it's like, but to hear from all of our students uh, from around the world about what that was like, I, I think was pretty amazing. Did you experience that, Sarah? Were you at that
1: program? And Sarah, you can't just tell us there was a secret club without... Apparently you (laughs) kept it secret from your brother too. (laughs) I want I was your secret club like your brother's secret club that you kept secret from each other? I like
4: well, um, you know, I I had just been working at the University of Virginia before I sailed on my first voyage in 2013, and I was always so like fascinated by the secret societies on campus or on grounds, sorry, on grounds at the University of Virginia. And one of the components that um, I thought was really positive about the the secret societies on grounds were that they would secretly like leave letters of appreciation, acknowledging mm-hmm. people's contributions to the community. Um, and you would, you know, I, I experienced this when I worked at UVA where, you know, someone would be walking by and like an envelope would just fly into your office and you had no idea who it was. <laughs> and you're like, what is this? Uh, And so um, I, you know, when I would be talking to people and I was explaining this culture and my curiosity with it, there was an idea that we had to create a society of Neptune. And so we like (laughs) shoulder tapped um, a certain, you know, people uh, on the shipboard community to keep an eye out for, good, you know, people who were doing good, who were building community, who were having a positive impact. And then we, would, so we would secretly meet and write letters to them to acknowledging their contribution to the shipboard community and thanking them for all they were doing to, to bring together the group. And so we would write these letters and then find really creative ways to have them delivered or appear to them to acknowledge and appreciate their contribution to, to the shipboard community. Important. I think I was part of that secret society.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's
4: the one that that uh, we took we took a, on for the My family. Fall of <laughs> is. Yeah. I was looking to you because I was trying to remember the name of it, and I have all the letters still that we wrote. Oh. <laughs> you know, so it's really fun to to look back and just. um I think it's really critical and something that I love about the shipboard community is that people pay attention you get to know people you know you have so much more contact with uh, your peers than you typically would and and you get to kind of see these more these special moments that maybe you wouldn't otherwise and and it's important i think to acknowledge all the little things people do to build community that aren't always shown
1: agreed thank you both for creating your secret society <laughs> 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 and sharing your secrets on we the live this. podcast this would be
4: like a trident so to acknowledge each other we would go <laughs> or to point something out that was really good that was happening
1: we just tap our shoulder with her that <laughs> is amazing
3: can I tell you something about what happened in one of our secret societies Sarah it was um we so we'd sit around and talk about what happened but in like a deep philosophical spiritual way and talk about these moving moments and one of the moving moments that was shared in our group was uh one of uh, the young women that was in our group talked about how she was uh, outside of our ship in the port of Chennai uh, walking around and this man just started putting his, uh, holding his child up to her and saying, please take her, take this child, take this child, knowing that it might give that child a better life. Uh, and she just broke down sobbing, talking about this story, but it was like, that's the kind of things we would talk about. Our experience It was just so powerful. And oh, anyway, yeah, I yeah. loved. it. <laughs> Oh, we no, talk to each other more about this, Sarah, mom. <laughs> I know. Beth
1: may be the only one keeping her secret society secret.
3: Yeah, no, who secret. knows? Maybe
1: I don't even know about it. <laughs> I know. She doesn't even know about her secret society. No, that's and your secret societies are doing a lot of good. And and hopefully others are following in your footsteps <laughs> and doing and doing similar things. Yeah. Um turning to port experiences on semester at sea. Would you? I know you all have you've all gone to so to many many a port, uh, and again this could be a very difficult conversation. So, it's a, but try to think of one particular moment you had in a port uh, with with other voyagers, and a, hopefully something a transformational moment for you uh, that you'd be happy to share with with listeners.
2: Sure, I've got one, um, and it's hard to, as you say to have just one, but. Uh, we went to Japan, and we had the opportunity on the shipboard community to have the children on the ship uh, were making cranes uh, for that, you know, there's a story about a little girl after Hiroshima and Nagasaki, where she uh, made this story up about a 1000 cranes, and she was uh, very ill. And so they made this piece. Um, it was like a Not a a necklace, but it was long, long, long of all these cranes. Well, we traveled by bullet train to Hiroshima and we went to the Peace Park. And when we were there, we presented these cranes to the people that were there. And there were actually ambassadors from Japan who spoke English to talk about what it was like. And this man was uh, actually a baby when the, the bombs were dropped. And he, his mother was very... Ill And he was ill as well, but he talked about why it was so important for never, for this to never happen again. And then we went to the uh, museum. And of course, to see it from the Japanese perspective is very different. And I think it was very profound for everybody that had that experience. So there is a million in all of our voyages, but um, that one stands out to me as just being very, very profound.
3: I think for me, um, one of the most profound experiences I had of the thousands, seemingly thousands of tiny little moments of each of the little different things that we did uh, was on our summer uh, 11 voyage at our last port in Morocco. Um, uh, my mom and I were supposed to go on this trip where we're, okay. we're going hi- to hike the high Atlas mountains and she was going to be the trip leader. But guess what? She realized after the fact, oh, I'm going to have to hike. <laughs> and no. so I, she ended up saying, okay, maybe. Uh, you uh, No, you go. no,
2: no, Ryan, I have to. <laughs> I had eaten at a wonderful Moroccan restaurant. Oh, okay. Let's before. Just, let, let and I end there. Let's so end it there. Sick, <laughs> I can go. So luckily Ryan was a staff member. Okay, so anyway, I ended up
3: getting to lead, I ended up getting to lead this amazing trip uh, across the high Atlas Mountains in Morocco, which included spending one night in Marrakesh, but then being led by these amazing local guides and 12 packing donkeys uh, with 50 students, staff and faculty uh, going up and down over these huge mountains every day for several days. Uh, And we'd camp out in these Berber villages on top of their roofs under the beautiful stars every night. And um, the experience was profound for me, not just because we got to have that beautiful experience, but the, the ways in which that experience brought that particular group of people together. Uh, And especially as a trip leader, it just gave me a sense of uh, responsibility that I hadn't had before for such a large group. Uh, and I specifically remember uh, on the first day, we had a lot of students that were quick and wanted to get ahead and run ahead. And they were already in the top of the mountain. Well, we had several students that were also really kind of struggling on the trip to even get through. Uh, and on that, by the, t- by the time I all got to the top of that first mountain, I had to pause and say, hey, everyone, listen, it's not about who gets to the first top. It's about making sure no one is left behind. And so it was weird because they actually listened. And we all just became so close and we were helping each other get through the days, spending the evenings telling stories about each other, tell with each other, meeting the local Berbers, um, but and and but really having these deep, powerful moments together that by the end we were singing and dancing and just Uh, had become bonded in such a unique way that only a semester at sea trip can do so it was so powerful I love that trip.
4: I remember um, hearing Ryan talk about that trip and so then I signed up for it uh, when I sailed on my fall 2013 voyage and it was one of my favorite field experiences to, to have that community together and have the shared experience of hiking and as Ryan said dancing singing together you know, just being under the stars and coming together to ensure everyone on the trip made it, had a positive experience. And I remember we had some cultural experiences where on that trip, particularly like the only way to shower in some of the Berber villages was to go into the Hammam. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like (laughs) that was a real, a real interesting experience to have, you know, the the, the female participants, faculty, staff, students, all that, all right, this is this is the way that we get to bathe each other is to go into this like heated room and sit on, you know, sit on these like placemats and you go in and, you know, just there's a bucket and a cup and you, you have like a community bathing experience. And it was so out of my comfort zone, you know, but it was interesting just having, you know, that experience and then talking about that afterward as like, you know, it's just something that we went went experienced together and just all leaned into. I thought was fantastic.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, but another uh, in country experience that I I think mom will uh, remember. <laughs> I want to talk about oh, no. is one that where like nothing went according to plan, but it was almost amazing and more community building because of it. Where we had uh, my mom and I. I had heard about this amazing, incredible experience that mom and Ryan had going on a safari in. when they sailed together in in 2007 and they i think they went to uh, i can't remember which where you went to which south africa
3: south africa
4: south africa they saw the big five they just had an amazing very (laughs) luxury safari safari (laughs) and so my mom and i signed up to go on a safari experience as well in senegal And it was not quite the same experience that (laughs) Ryan and my mom had had. There were a lot of, uh, so we, it just, it didn't meet our expectations in a lot of ways. One in which like Senegal is not where you're going to find the big five. That's just not, they're not endemic to that area. And we didn't (laughs) know that in advance. And we were at just past the rainy season. uh, And so when we got to the national park, uh, many hours after we had anticipated arriving we had to bribe our way in. It's fine. The, the, the there was very over, a lot of foliage overgrown. And so as we're going in these little buses, like the, the branches were like whacking the, you know, the car and a windshield broke and just n- nothing went according to plan. And we uh, on safari, as we kind of went through the most common thing I think we saw were termite mounds and, you know, domesticated <laughs> warthogs. and And it wasn't quite the picture I had in my mind. Um and we were going through and I remember on the second day with the students and we I was uh, I was we were all female voyage participants that were on these um on the safari trucks and we got stuck in the mud we're like oh no like this is the trip where everything that could go wrong is going wrong I was having so much fun but it was just like it was comical at that point like what else is gonna happen but in order like we couldn't get the truck unstuck and so we had to figure out how collectively we could all kind of jump in and try and assist. And some people were kind of resistant at first, like it's so muddy and like gross and there are bugs and like, we don't know what to do. Someone had the idea of like putting a song, like playing a song on their phone to like get us motivated and in sync. And so we played Katy Perry's roar. And so (laughs) as soon as it would say roar, we'd all push and we finally got... Like this truck stuck out of the mud and we not able to get it out and go back home. It was really interesting on that uh, that safari experience to see the variety of different reactions to uh, to everything not going according to plan and to having these, you know, uh, just our, our, our vision of time and the way we talked about it and the meaning of it was different in Senegal for the, versus many of our American participants. And it was really cool, I thought, to see so many of our students and the the people on that trip to say, this was such a learning experience, mm-hmm. you know, and to to still have like a positive viewpoint and to take sort of the the trip where everything could go wrong and did into something where they really learned. And gained personal insight, they they formed strong connections, they had greater cultural competency after this experience and were able to articulate that, that I thought was just really cool and such a powerful moment for me of the power of the Semester at Sea experience, where we really talk all the time to, to the students and to the participants about you know, you're not just there to go on a trip and it's cool that you get to sign up for these field experiences and, and whatnot, but there's a lot of learning that happens through the the interactions you have with, with people outside of that. And this, this trip, you know, is so stressful to be in it. It was really one of my favorite memories of having it. And you know, being um, in Senegal with that group of women. Yeah, we ran out of, yeah, we ran out of gas, the generator, you know, like the power went out. Like, <laughs> didn't the they have had, a chained
3: like, up chi- uh, cheetah or something? Like the, the yeah. only animal wildcat you? It was, okay.
4: you know, um, it was unanticipated many of the challenges that we ran into and we were <laughs> not on time and we were, oh, we were, I think the last group back to the ship, um, you know, and your returned to the ship, for on ship time, which is two hours before the like needed departure time. And I think we got back to the ship maybe like 20 minutes before departure time. So it was really stressful, um, but it was, it was great. And I, I really, and I, 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 look back on that trip now, safely back home, having made it, you know, and, and no, no, no serious <laughs> concerns with a lot of, with a lot of love and a lot of um, fondness for that experience. Certainly a deeper experience for Katy Perry's roar.
1: <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> and those are many times uh, the, most potential for bonding. when yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so Things don't go according to plan.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, how, for all of you, Semester at Sea clearly has played a very important role in all of your lives over many years. And something I think a lot of us wonder is how has Semester at Sea impacted what you've chosen to do in your lives after Semester at Sea? Sarah, would you like to get us started?
4: Sure, sure. I'm I'm very happy to. I think that uh, I have a very direct <laughs> uh, connection with my line of work now. So I, I had mentioned that I, I joined the semester at sea uh, voyages as a resident director. I'd been working in student affairs. And after my second voyage, I, I was able to find a position actually at Colorado State University and take a huge leap into a field I knew nothing about. Uh, and so, someone on on the ship, another RD, had sent me a job description for a position at Colorado State University called International Partnerships Coordinator, and I didn't know what that meant. And I just sort of applied for it and went with it and interviewed it and trusted my gut and took a dive into a new area of international education, and uh, have really found like my my calling, my passion professionally, and have continued to do that work. So now I work, um, I worked for just under seven years at Colorado State managing all of our relationships with universities internationally, and to facilitate faculty internationalization. And I do something very similar now. I'm the director of global partnerships at North Carolina State University. And my job is to, uh, you know, to connect with our, with, with our university partners internationally to develop collaborations that will create new research channels and opportunities and to address global grand challenges through connections of faculty and staff to create new student and academic opportunities. And I get a, a real opportunity to make a difference, I think, by bringing people together to to do new and interesting work together through partnership. So I, I think that for me, it's a direct result of my experiences um, traveling internationally, not just through semester at sea, also through my, my own study abroad experiences But having, you know, the support of of these experiences, I've been able to to just gain a lot of intercultural competency and comfort in in traveling and building connections and relationships and seeing the potential for partnership. So that's what what I've been doing since my my voyages. And I, I think about semester at sea and talk about it all the time. I think people who know me best know that there are like three things that I won't shut up about. Gonzaga University men's basketball, the comedy court in Fort Collins, Colorado,
1: and semester at C. How about you, Ryan?
3: Um, uh, uh, similar to Sarah, uh, semester at C was a transformative experience of my life, uh, especially getting to travel the world with Archbishop Desmond Tutu as our sage guide and philosophical leader. Uh, and at the time, having been a uh, a a local champion for gay rights on my college campus and slowly growing national notoriety uh, in my work already. This semester at sea experience transformed my worldview from just maybe local or uh, U.S.-based advocacy, but to really seeing myself as a global citizen and a member of the uh, of humanity. (laughs) And so, um, I ended up pursuing a career in addressing the rights, uh, the human rights of marginalized and vulnerable populations throughout the world. In a wide variety of con- contexts, specifically uh, gender and sexual minorities around the world. Uh, and so I've uh, since semester at C, I've always had that bug to go and be a part of different places and having that unique uh, cross cultural and cross country. Uh, comparative analysis has really allowed me to grow in my career in ways that I don't think a lot of others um, have. Maybe some have studied in one or two countries, but to have the uh, broad experience I have has really led to now a career in which I'm a globally recognized gender and human rights advocate. And I've been working for uh, a contractor of USAID to address Um, the rights of LGBT people in a wide array of contexts. (laughs) I've done everything from work at the United Nations, advocating for rights to training US missions around the world on gender and sexual diversity, to uh, documenting human rights abuses in different country contexts and working with local governments and civil society members to seek redress for um, the very real uh, violations that people face uh, based on their gender or sexuality. Um, and so, yeah, now I, uh, now I work in the field of international development and get to work in places like Jamaica, where I work with gay rights activists, to um, serving as a, a technical review panelist on the Global Fund, where we allocate $16 billion worth of funding to HIV programs around the world, uh, to working with youth uh, entrepreneurs and social leaders throughout the continent of Africa, to help build the next generation of leaders and to make them more mindful and conscious of the plurality and diversity that exists within their societies, and to ensure that no one less is left behind, including women and girls, uh, people with disabilities, racial and ethnic minorities, or indigenous persons, um, and so. Yeah, the semester at C experience really opened my eyes, and I only hope to give back that purview um, through the opportunities I've been given in my professional career.
1: That's fantastic, both of you. And Beth, what would you like to add? Well, I
2: want to first say how proud I am of Sarah (laughs) and Ryan. As I'm hearing them speak, they... They're incredible human beings, and I was so blessed to get to sail with both of them because uh, on the shipboard community, they were so active and did such such great things. But uh, for me, it was life-changing to have this experience. But I've been a study abroad coordinator and international student exchange coordinator. Uh, at San Francisco State, I supervise international programs. I um, also, Sarah kind of encouraged us when she was in high school to go and uh, take in some exchange. students. she went to Bolivia when she was 17. And we ended up having her host family's son, Antonio, who is 16, come and live with us. And she said, mom, I, can't we have this Japanese student come? Can't we take her in? <laughs> So we, I've ended up having over 20 international students that I've been a host family for, which I have loved. Uh, and I've been very involved on different campuses in creating committees to look at international programs and how are we um, welcoming our international students into the United States and what are we doing and where are the gaps. And now I'm very excited. I am actually uh, starting tomorrow as the new vice president for uh, the cadet leadership development at the Maritime Academy at California State University. So we have our own ship. We have cruises. I'm living next door to the captain, who is a female, which I'm really excited about. There's a commandant is going to be reporting to me. Uh, but the students who come here all want to go into the maritime world. So they might be, uh, you know, they might go into the Marines or Navy, or they might be captains themselves. They might learn. They all learn how to manage and run ships. And it all started with Semester at sea, really, when you think about it. So I, I, I'm from New Mexico. I never would have dreamt that I would live in the ocean, be on ships, uh, explore the world. And it's been pretty amazing. So I'm just going to be here for one year as their interim vice president. And I'm I'm very excited to see what's next.
1: That is so cool.
3: Imagine you're going on the ship for like, you might get to go on the ship for like two months, right? Or something like that? No, we, no, no, no. A week? No update no
2: (laughs) so (laughs) the students are on the voyage right now the first year students and they go on like a two-month cruise when they first get here and they go on senior cruises and so um they stop at different ports uh along the way and I'm hoping to meet the ship in Oregon and maybe come back with them as a way to learn a little bit about the experience so that's That's (laughs) kind of neat but I do want to mention about the alumni association if that's all right and please do uh, so Sarah really is the one that uh, inspired me to get involved because she was first involved. Uh, do you want to speak first to your experience, Sarah, and then I can talk about mine?
4: Sure. So just after having you know these amazing experiences on on semester at C, I I wanted to find a way to to keep a connection to the program and to give back in in some way, if any small way possible. And I had. Uh, someone from the home office actually really encouraged me to apply for the alumni association, and I thought that would be a great way to to contribute to to stay connected and understand what the what's happening with the program and to give back in a little way. So I joined the faculty and staff council back in in 2016 after my my fall 2015 voyage, and have have been involved in that ever since. I've I've chaired that, that council and been a member and have really deeply valued the connections that I've made to other people who've sailed on different voyages, not just on the faculty and staff council, but on all the others. There is a young alumni council, a voyagers council, a parents council. Um, lifelong father, there's there's a, a variety of different ones um, who, who plan activities and events, who try and, and do what they can to engage alumni. And to help support the program moving forward, and it's been a great experience for me to 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 not only have a connection to my own like individual voyage, but then to have a greater sense of connection to to voyages over over many decades, and to build new friendships uh, through that experience. And so, yeah, I encouraged my my mom to participate as well. I thought it'd be a, she'd be a great asset to any of the any of the councils. And so, I think I don't know what year you joined, mom. It was years ago, but we, we, uh, Sarah
2: invited me to San Diego. They had a homecoming voyage and then they had the, the council. So I sat in and I was inspired by her leadership to think that maybe I could contribute. So I've been, I joined the Voyagers council and that was an amazing group. And for the last I I was a secretary, and then the last two years I've been the co-chair of the Voyagers Council. And one of the neatest things I think um, that this group is doing is they've created a Voyage Ambassador Program, which is just getting off the ground. And I'd really like to encourage people to think about it. We would like to identify from one to four individuals on each voyage over the last how many years, 60 plus years. Um, to be able to be the ambassador for that group. And there's an application that is, it takes uh, two minutes to fill out. And the idea is that that person is kind of the link between the current semester at sea and the alumni association and their past co-voyagers. And they could do alumni uh, reunions. They could, you know, have things with social media together. And so if there's any interest, I hope that people will consider that. The other thing that I'm really proud of is uh, I became a part of uh, the first Debbie committee, which is diversity, equity, belonging, and inclusion. And so I helped to write the first diversity statement, which I'm very proud of, to really make sure that people of all backgrounds feel like this organization is for everybody. It is is for every single person, international students, uh, people of color for people from the LGBTQ community. Everybody should feel like this is their organization. And um, so we did create the affinity groups. Um, I put forward a proposal and the uh, co-chair council voted on it a year ago. And now Terry, who's going to be the new incoming president, she has taken on the affinity groups. And the first group is the international group. They have every they already have over 80 people that are wanting to be part of this affinity group. So the idea is to get people, you don't have to be a part of the alumni association. You could just although everybody is a member who sailed before, I think. So um so anyway, I would encourage people to think about the alumni association and about the voyage ambassador group and about this uh, these affinity groups. There's so many ways to still feel connected.
1: Definitely. Fully encourage all of that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, If I may in any way be of support of the International Infinity Group, when I worked for the home office for about six years, I was the international student advisor. So I'm... I'm the that's advisor awesome. of pretty much every international student from 2010 to 2016. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, and, and a lot of them will be interviewed on wavelengths. that is. <laughs> so,
4: and I know you've done an amazing job with that, Annie. I've <laughs> I've heard from international students who who said that you were the difference that allowed them to get to go and have an experience through your advising and support of them. So,
1: thank oh, you for all that you've hair. done. Because I love them.
4: <laughs> each Aww. and every
1: one of them. You know? I love- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Stay tuned. If you do get a chance to listen to some wavelengths, the next one coming up is Kira who's, who was uh, a student from Russia. Yeah. Who just sailed on the reunion voyage. If either, if any of you, are well, we there. were on the
4: reunion voyage, too, she, was my stu- she was my student in fall 2013.
1: Yes, she was. And we were just talking about how we don't know whether or not we can do the reunion in Austin or some reunion somewhere for 10 years, but yeah, it'd be so cool. <laughs> Yeah. It's been
2: 10 years. <laughs> I, Caitlin, Caitlin still is coordinating the reunion for the 2013 group. So she's got lots of things planned, I think.
1: So cool. So exciting. Yeah. So I cannot believe it was 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, I can't. I mean, I go <laughs> a different, like, different, <laughs> different line of, uh, yeah. but no, I am just so thrilled. And thank you all for being our first family that we've interviewed. Cause we were like, how is this going to work? And I was like, just fine. it's going to be fun (laughs) so so thank you all and I always like to end any conversation I have with folks. is there anything we didn't cover that you really wanted to share
2: uh you know I think it is it's a very expensive program Mm -hmm. and so many people do not uh know that they too can participate but there are so many great opportunities with work study with scholarships uh there's the gap year experience the world Uh, schools, there are um, many different ways that people can find ways to make it happen. And uh, uh, certain universities do give scholarships as well. So I hope that people will not be dissuaded from at least trying to go uh, without really trying to work with the central office to find opportunities to support them.
4: I think also as alumni, one of the ways that we can give back not only through time and through speaking about our experiences through financial contributions, I think donations and to things like the Tutu Ubuntu scholarship and others help create this opportunity and scholarships to bring students and onto onto the voyages and to have this experience. So if you can find a way to, to maybe do that, I think that has big impact. And then also I just want to like just acknowledge and and appreciate the small but mighty home office team, you know, so there's, there's a bunch of uh, very committed professionals uh, that are based in Fort Collins who, who put all their time and energy and effort and they're a small but mighty group into ensuring that this program can continue. And uh, I really just appreciate their, their work and leadership to make sure that this program has, has has survived for 60 years through a very difficult pandemic, you know, and what that meant and to carry us forward. And I just want to appreciate their their contributions to to this, uh, the continu- continuity of this amazing program.
3: And I think for me, I think I would just speak back to the spirit that my grandparents uh, sparked in all of us in their passion for not only traveling the world, but for uh, creating peace and justice throughout the world. And the real and uh, profound experience that Semester at Sea is to not only just travel and visit places, but to profoundly connect and even spiritually align with uh, a multitude of people from not only all around the world, but fellow journeyers, those saunderers who believe in our interconnectedness as people and there's no better way to truly f- deepen your roots into our collective humanity than to, trans- and to transcend some of the, the spaces that we ex- currently occupy uh, then to jump head in into a voyage like this alongside 700 uh, people that start, as, start out as strangers, but then become lifelong friends, and particularly our crew, our staff, our faculty, uh, and for families like ours who are so blessed to have had this experience uh, that has bonded us to each other and the rest of the world. So thank you.
2: Yes. yes, and Sarah has a little toast that she loves to say with semester.
3: Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm gonna
1: do my orange yes. it,
4: Sarah. There are tall ships, and there are small ships, and there are ships that sail the sea, but the best ships are friendships made on semester at
1: sea. You're <laughs> here. <hear. laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, that's been the show this week. Special thank you to Annie, Dr. Beth Helwig, Ryan Ubuntu Olson, and Sarah Olson. And thank you for joining us this week. To any alumni, please reach out to the show. The content on this show is only possible because of the experiences like you heard today. Once again, to apply, donate, or learn more, please visit semesterc.org. The Semester at C podcast will be back soon. Thank you for listening, and until next time, sailing off.